0: Welcome to the Gabbin in the Woods podcast, <laughs>
1: <laughs> episode
0: twenty-one.
1: Oh wow, really?
0: Yeah, we've hit the milestone twenty-one.
1: Oh, twenty-one, we're now legal. Exactly. Woo!
0: Do you feel like the secrets to the universe have been open to you now that we're responsible adults?
1: Do you mean bars? <laughs> yes, I do.
0: Woo. Yeah. So now, now you're kind of off limits to the creepy uncle because you're too old. And yeah, yeah, exactly. You can exactly, go find a war. Kind of-
1: yeah, I know. Um, officially 21. Are we too old for Hollywood? Oh, we're at the cusp.
0: Definitely 90s Hollywood. Yeah. If you're following the stuff that happened to Britney Spears.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's an awkward time. It's an awkward time. It was. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm. I knew that was Pete Guardian when I was reading that this morning. They're talking about uh, the misogyny of the early 2000s and how toxic it was for women. Mm. I'm thinking, you know, I'm pretty sure it's been worse.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, because everything's like, fixed now and everything's so much better.
0: I know. Um, if I had daughters, I would have them join a debating team or the Liberal Party. That's for sure. <laughs> it's a perfectly good place for to be a woman still, isn't it?
1: Oh, absolutely. There's no problems. It's not like... You know, people are getting hands up skirts in our seats of parliament or, you know, anything inappropriate like that at all. No. People molested, um, you know, in offices. No. None of that happening at all. It's such a great time to be a woman.
0: It is. And uh, because we don't want to get sued, if you want to find out what we're talking about, you'll have to Google that with the uh, hashtag Scotty New. <laughs> yeah. For all our American listeners. Thank you for joining us. I,
1: I know, but... And the. And the Currently, we have an explosion of sex scandals in Parliament, but in both our federal and our state-level parliaments. State-level? Yes. Yes. Um, The... is it the equality? Someone's just done a, has just done a review, and they have found it something like twenty seven percent of female staffers have had people made inappropriate sexual comments either about their looks, their boobs, or um, one person has had a hand put up their skirt by someone actually in the state parliament building. Yeah,
0: that's well, probably lower since since I worked there. Mm. <laughs> so Not, that makes it sound like I'm incriminating myself. Yeah, I just know it was rampant. That's <laughs> all I'm saying.
1: There were sixteen recommendations put forth about how they could stop it. They have accepted three, one of which is a they're going to like I guess you know do an online course that says don't put your hand up women's skirts. Oh yeah,
0: it's like the scene for a modern Carrie.
1: Yeah, we seriously just like, oh, my God, some low-level staffer just, rah, everyone in parliament levitates and explodes. Burn that fucker to the ground. I can't believe here we are, 2021, people still need a course to learn. Don't put your hand up somebody's skirt that hasn't expressly asked you to put their hand up the skirt. How do you still need to be told that?
0: Yeah, well, politics is showbiz for ugly people. <laughs>
1: Ah, oh, amen to that.
0: Yeah, yeah, it really is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least we're not Texas.
1: Why? wasn't Texas? Well, the, the
0: Texas governor's just completely overturned the mask mandate and reopened their economy and gotten rid of all the social distancing and all that kind of stuff and just, just turned it loose. If you can own a tiger in that state, fuck it. You may as well go out and see if you can punch on with an invisible virus. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I did not realise that. I'm, I'm surprised the state that could give us Pantera could be that stupid.
1: Well, you know, well, that's it. You can, Can't you just sketch your tiger onto the virus? <laughs> go on, girl, get that virus. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I do, I, of all the places in America, though, I do want yeah. to visit Texas.
1: Oh, yeah. You, can't, you totally got to go, like, full ranger Texas warrior. Yeah, absolutely. Like, how, how do you not do that? Because in Texas, the <laughs> every place you be, the ranger's going to be. <laughs> I've forgotten the song. I know. When you're in Texas, look behind you. Because that's where a ranger's going to be. Fucking hell. I'm not. Why are you behind me, dude? That's creepy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's a lawsuit. Like, that I'm, is inappropriate, Texas. 2021. Do we have to send you to the seminar? Yeah. Don't creep Chuck around. Chuck
0: Norris is having to go to the seminar. <laughs>
1: Oh my god. Well see that's it. They like Texas has Chuck Norris. He will he will roundhouse kick coronavirus out of the great state of Texas. Every oh. little microbe, just wow, roundhouse kick it to Utah.
0: <laughs> and we'll have to wait until it turns up on some obscure streaming service t- oh my to watch
1: god. it. <laughs> when you're in Texas, look behind you. Cause that's where the virus is gonna be. <laughs>
0: Chuck Norris couldn't sneak up on shit these days. His beard is so iridescently dyed <laughs> that it's just like a disembodied orange haze walking oh along God. in the shadows. Isn't
1: he too busy on the, what's that machine? The
0: I don't have a TV. I don't watch Tellymore.
1: Oh my God. No, he does that like Thunder Thigh 1000 Ultimate Workout Machine and he's always on it like, I love this every day. Oh, well,
0: he, man's got to eat. That's true. Yeah. That's he's true.
1: Good on him. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it, it was interesting actually because um, here in South Australia at the moment we're having the uh, the annual Fringe Festival, mm-hmm. which is a, a comedy cabaret theatre. Also, just basically freaks in the street doing yeah. weird shows, juggling and shit.
1: Freaks in the street. I think they should rename it Freaks in the Street.
0: They should. And everyone's been saying to me how lucky we are because South Australia is basically the only place in the world that can do this right now because yeah. we got our shit together when coronavirus happened. Mm-hmm. We cancelled everything. We locked everything down. Mm-hmm. We didn't listen to the radio pundits mm-hmm. and we fucking did what was right. Mm-hmm. But... I had massive FOMO going into it because normally that's when I'll be doing whole hour comedy shows and that sort of stuff. Yeah. And all my friends are still doing it. I was like, fuck, this should have been the year i had done it because this is the only place in the world where this is happening. Yeah. All my friends are doing really well. They're selling out and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Until I went to a show because they're all outdoors. Yeah. Because you can't be. Squashed into a venue and still socially distanced. Unless you're in Texas. Exactly. But here in South Australia, we do things right. So they're all outdoors. They're all in the parklands here. Oh. Yeah. So mid-show, my friend was there. Massive invasion of bats. <laughs> huge, <laughs> huge fruit bats. And, you know, all those all those cheap Wuhan jokes go out the window when there's fucking bats swooping down on you like the start of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Oh, my God. That's Brilliant? It was kind of, well, they're fruit bats. So yeah. they can still kill you with whatever the fuck they're carrying. Yeah. You know, oh my God. Especially some, if it's stone fruit. Well, a few years ago, they were dying in the hot summer, and yeah, some yeah. guy's job, there was one guy's job to walk around and pick up the bats with one of those like gimmick children's claw things mm. because of the Hendra virus. Yeah. So this guy was just walking around with a garbage bag, putting dehydrated bats into it, so that no one else would touch them. Oh
1: no! Well, they, they also had the they had the rescue workers out there as well who
0: trying to revive them.
1: Uh yeah, and were trying to catch you know the poor little things, and they'd fall out of the tree, or you know they would fall out of their tree, or like uh, the little babies would drop off. Yeah, because they were so dehydrated. So bless our rescue workers, were trying to you know revive them all. Yeah. Um, and you know there are always assholes who are constantly there letting off fireworks. People who are trying to kill the fruit bats. You know what? I think maybe the fruit bats have just had enough. Fuck it.
0: Good on them. They just come up and sneeze on you.
1: Yeah. Oh, and the important thing is as long as no one ate a bat, we should be fine.
0: No, we do like our street food here, but I don't think we're that adventurous.
1: Mm. If we've learnt nothing from the last two years, stop eating
0: bats. So that's that's the irony, I thought, with um, celebrity chefs like Pete Evans. Mm who goes on about the fact that, oh, the Wuhan virus is a hoax. No, it's not, dickhead. You're the one who wanted us all to go paleo and eat like cavemen. Yeah. What do you think? People are eating fucking bats.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know what? Stop eating bats. Stop (laughs) eating those. What are those?
0: The Pangolin.
1: Pangolin. Stop eating fucking pangolin. They're so cute.
0: I'm betting they're delicious,
1: though.
0: There is not a single Chinese food that is not delicious.
1: To quote... The fantabulous Samuel L. Jackson and Quentin Tarantino. That motherfucker might like fucking cherry fucking pie. I'm still not going to eat it. (laughs) Fair enough.
0: Uh, So that that was my first revelation for the week. Yeah. The second one was an iconic revelation. Sketch that I've always just dismissed as being uh-huh. 1970s stoner culture. Yes. Big fan of Cheech and Chong. It's how, it's how I kind of discovered sketch comedy as a kid. I thought you were going to say drugs, but okay. <laughs> sure, Well, sure. that too. It coincided. Yeah. But, you know, the local video shops in Port Period, like one of the few things that you could hire were the old Cheech and Chong films. Of course. It's and awkward. Cheech and Chong Live. And my friend's dad had several of their LPs. Excellent. And so, like, we all got super familiar with, like, the old Cheech and Chong LPs and you'd recite them in the schoolyard. Yeah. And it wasn't until the other day that I realised that the iconic Acapulco gold filters sketch, mm-hmm. you know, no stem, no seed, that you don't need. Acapulco gold is badass weed. That sketch yes. is a nod to Orson Welles.
1: What? What do you mean? What are you talking about, Willis?
0: Awesome well, Wells, I just called him Awesome Wells. That sounds like a punk name.
1: <laughs> awesome Wells. Awesome
0: Wells next to Shame Warne. <laughs> so in the in the latter part of his career, after he was done being an iconoclast yeah. and someone who disrupted Hollywood and all that kind yeah. of stuff.
1: <gasps> hang on. can I just say? Yeah. Oh my god, I just realized the porn name. You would for like you would be
0: Awesome Swells. Awesome Swells. Yes, oh. that's his porn name. For
1: anyone out there, copy patent pending, copyright.
0: Mm, Rosebud. Rosebud. <laughs> just touch it. Ro-
1: oh my god, and he's just talking about her anus. <laughs> oh,
0: it gets a sled up there. <laughs> Fucking hell.
1: To the cold. Things
0: contract. Oh No one's gonna praise these blocking skills then, are they? <laughs> <laughs> we should we could do a whole episode on Citizen Kane.
1: Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. Ama-
0: yeah, amazing cinematographer. The cinematographer, mm. I can't remember his name, went on to make super racist propaganda films during the Second World War about the Japanese. Oh, really? Yeah, Maybe like to the to the point where the American, uh, the other cinematographers in America and high ups and the yeah. brass were like, we can't put this out. Because after the wo- after the war, we're going to have to live with Japanese people again. Yeah, Let's yeah. just ignore the fact that they're interning them in, and in, in camps yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. But like a few people actually realized that after the war, we're going to go back to being trade partners. Yeah, and, yeah. Because he was just putting out this shit. we like Uncle Sam is like in bed getting typhus from like a monkey and, oh.
1: Uh, Bad. Does your hate campaign have to be that in the middle of a hate campaign, people are like, "Oh, <laughs> that's, that's too much hate." <laughs> we well, are
0: secretly developing a bomb to send them back to the Stone Age. <laughs> They're like, "Oh, do- mate, come on, enough with the fucking." That's big-
1: too far, man. That's too far. Yeah. Like we can nuke their children, but that is <laughs> yeah. too far.
0: That's too far. Let's turn them into oil stains on the ground, like fucking, like an angry god. But no.
1: Yeah. No. Too far. Too far. Too yeah. far. That joke is too
0: far. But it's, I didn't realize that Chee Chon Chong was so cerebral. Mm. Because it's a it's a nod to Orson Welles and his declining career, where he would just turn up to do commercials, shit faced, drunk, Mm. and you know they couldn't. So he did this French uh, he did a French champagne commercial. It wasn't French. It was actually an American Mm -hmm. Napa Valley champagne commercial. But just to give you some reference, this is the original Cheech and Chong. Acapulco Gold filters take four (laughs) hundred and three. Hey that hey that hey. Hey, that's right, man. You know, I really, man, I the to really telling you where it's at, man. Oh, man. And once you realise that that's based on the many, many outtakes of Orson Welles trying to fucking blur his way through a simple speech about bottle-fermented champagne... 102, take three. Action, please. Ah,
1: the French champagne has always been celebrated for its excellence. There is a California champagne by Paul Masson inspired by that same French excellence.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, the French. I've been that drunk in meetings. <laughs> ah. oh, the French. I was
1: going to say, it's me every night in the club trying to convince the bartender that you're not drunk, that you're sober, that either hey, you should be allowed back in the club and you should be served another drink. And you're like, I'll prove oh, the French, the <laughs> puppet In your mind, Shakespearean, to the breach, dear friend. in your mind. And you get the puppet and it got stuck. Ah, the French!
0: <laughs> <laughs> it does sound like a particularly bitter World War II veteran, doesn't it? <laughs> Someone explaining their time at Normandy. 102, take three. Ah. Action, please. Ah. Ah, the French.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Look, I've never heard such disdain in a... <laughs>
0: But good on Cheech and Chong for burying their satire so deeply oh in stoner my culture.
1: God. It's like, oh, my God. Oh, I've had a brain lapse. What's that movie at the end where it's just like, the horror, the horror. Apocalypse Now. I just picture awesome Well
0: just like, the French, <laughs> the French. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Oh. Uh, Oh God. now I'm gonna to have to go back through all the old change and Chong and try and find out what else they were what else
1: they've oh my lord okay for e- everyone who is curious and obviously gonna be curious I think we'll obviously we'll have to put a link to the awesome wells yes up on the up on the website should we should we do a disclaimer for all our French listeners <laughs> for all, for just for oh the French <laughs> Before they get their baguettes bent. (laughs) That's going to be my ringtone.
0: (laughs) My My third revelation of this week Mm. is what we're talking about today. Mm. Because, I mean, obviously when it comes to Bill Paxton, I I bow to your knowledge and and your reverence for him. Because I I didn't know a great deal about Bill Paxton until we... Until we really started delving into some of this stuff. I'm a fan of his movies, but I didn't know his background story. Uh, Just as a quick aside, Bill Paxton actually directed the music video for the 1980s classic Barnes & Barnes, Fish Heads. Fish Heads, Fish Heads, Roly Poly Fish Heads. Because apparently he was a video director before he was ever an actor. (laughs) And quite good at it. <laughs> well actually it's you know what? You know who we have to thank for
1: like a lot of like the incredible people that we have today? We have to actually thank Roger Corman. Oh yeah. And his studios. The amount of high quality people um that sort of you know came through the like the Corman studios yeah. is amazing. Yeah, he was there doing um, carpentry work. Um, you know, James Cameron did some time there. Like the quality people that have gone through Corman Studios. Yeah. I, I don't think modern cinema today yeah. would be there if that, like, cheap, dodgy bastard yeah. <laughs> with that brilliant mind did not exist.
0: But yeah, so the revelation for me this week mm. was my 1980s horror. Mm. knowledge and appreciation, has a massive gap in it. Oh, yeah. Because I have not seen the film we're talking about today, 1987's Near Dark, directed by Catherine Bigelow.
1: Yeah. I was so surprised you had not watched this one.
0: I'm ashamed of having, having, I haven't. So I've had to piece it together. It's not on Amazon. Mm-hmm. It's not on Netflix. Mm-hmm. It's not on Stan, which mm-hmm. is our Australian um, – it's one of the Australian local uh, mm-hmm. streaming services – I could not find it on Google Play. Mm-hmm. I don't illegally download anything, mm-hmm. so I, I don't use torrenting sites or anything like that because I believe you should pay for movies. Yep, you should pay for creative works. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, to the you know, except for Metallica, fuck those cunts.
1: <laughs> 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 but so much, so much rage.
0: Well, they don't have it anymore, so I know you to-
1: hate Lars, but the other three band members have to eat. You know. Yeah,
0: I know. I, I like I like Lars. I just don't like his drumming. Well, I think then, I, think of it think of it as like a Patreon because what else would he do for a job? <laughs> well, he's he was, too old now to reskill. He was nearly a tennis pro.
1: Really? <laughs> yeah,
0: Lars was really fucking good at tennis.
1: I would. Why is like he is so he, bad at drums? Like as, in,
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, as in had to make a decision: do I become a tennis pro or continue with the music?
1: That's so bizarre. I have another bizarre one for you: yeah. Bruce Dickinson, lead singer of Iron Maiden, yeah. world champion fencer not with posts with the with the epée with the sword
0: with a rapier
1: was actually selected to represent England at the Olympic games but because basically it was happening at the same time that they were scheduled Iron Maiden was scheduled to be touring yeah. he declined going to the repre- to the Olympic games wow yeah
0: do you know I got headhunted to go to an Olympic camp
1: what? Yeah. <laughs> to do To do what? You know there's more sex happens at the Olympics than at any other event in okay. the world.
0: This is how sad I was as a youngster. So 1993, 1994, Australia mm. is gearing up to host the Sydney 2000 Olympics. Mm-hmm. I'm in like year 9 or 10 at school. Mm-hmm. I was pretty much as big as I am now that fit. Yeah. So like I'm a six-foot... Fucking gangly idiot. Yeah. But I'm really into skateboarding and I'm really into taekwondo. Yeah. So I could jump. Yeah. And I was really flexible. Yeah. And quite strong for my age. Uh Uh-huh. So the Olympics, like when we got the Sydney Olympics, they did this whole program where they went around the Australian Institute of Sport, went Mm -hmm. around to schools. Yeah. And did basic physiology tests on students. Yeah. Because we had all these programs identified in sports that we were weak at. Yeah. And we needed to, you know, so they had different profiles for different sports they were looking to target. Yeah. And they did all these tests, Yeah. and the two people out of my school that they picked to go and do these things to find out if you were suitable for rowing were me and another guy. So this guy now works at the submarine corporation here in Adelaide.
1: It's a, hell of a, it's a hell of a thing to row.
0: Yeah. <laughs> very very Viking.
1: <laughs> no. I don't know. Waterworld predicted it, you know, maybe. They did. I, you know.
0: Yeah. So it was me and this other guy, neither of us into sports, were yeah. picked to go and do an intensive rowing training camp. And I was like, no, nah, I want to stay home and smoke bongs. <laughs> the fucking rowing team in Australia. Like, imagine that.
1: Oh, uh, I can't picture. You know what? You should have just been like, what was that American um, swimmer? He never let smoke and dope get in the way. Um, oh, the greatest swimmer of all time.
0: Massive. Phelps. Yeah. Yeah. He
1: was like, he was on the like 24-7. It might have improved you, Rowan. You don't know. It might have. You, you need something, I think, just going up and down that lane all day.
0: But it was about 14 years later that I was just like, oh, I could have gone and lived in Canberra and been at the AIS and just partied.
1: Yeah. And then, you know, as your career started to fade, you could start making fruit commercials, tinned yeah. fruit commercials.
0: Or become an ecstasy dealer, like a lot of Australian athletes.
1: You really missed your chance. I did. That's you, But just think, ah, oh, it's like Sliding Doors. But oh, oh my God, I want to watch your version of Sliding Doors. Yeah. <laughs> you're, a, you're a comedian with a podcast or ecstasy dealer in Canberra <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> with a string of very low level endorsements. Oh I, would, I would have been that rower who pretended to fall asleep. Remember, oh remember her?
1: Yeah, the one who just like halfway just went, nah, nah. Nah,
0: fuck it. <laughs> Narcolepsy now.
1: <laughs> it's medical, Rhonda.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we have gotten off topic because we, oh. we were going to talk about Near Dark and what oh, yes. a phenomenal, phenomenal looking movie it is because I've had to try and piece it together like – like mm. a night out for the 1988 Australian World Debating Championships. I've had to piece it together from clues on the internet and <laughs> little scraps <laughs> that I could find. Um,
1: I've had a look. I've, uh, I've been very lucky. My first time that I saw Near Dark was on VHS. Oh. A gentleman who was trying to make out with
0: me. Oh, was it the original Blue Spine VHS? <laughs> I'm a bit of a stickler for these things. Was it a grey spine Betamax or a blue spine VHS?
1: Blue spine VHS. Oh. Yeah, yeah. We made we made out. I'm not saying I'm good at what I do, okay? Hmm. But I can be pretty handy. Where hey shot across the room, hit Lance Henriksen in the face. What did? Yeah.
0: What shot across the room?
1: A very handy.
0: Oh, um, are you serious? Wow. Uh-huh. Jesus Christ, you must have claws like a crab.
1: Oh, yeah. Whew. Stop your grinning and drop your linen. Okay. Because you are about to come with us on a crazy tale of one of the 80s most underrated cult films. It had a short fizzle at the box, o- at the box office. But how is that possible? When it is directed by a future Oscar winner, stars another Oscar winning director giving you the finger... <laughs> Half of the cast of the film *Aliens*: Lance Henriksen, Jeanette Goldstein, and Mr. Bill Goddamn Paxton himself. Come with us as we unearth this vampiric gem. As we examine, near dark or near dead, at the box office.
0: Mm. Released in 1987. Just quickly, before you do that, yeah. I'm imagining if you were watching a different movie and you gave this guy this atomic hand job, yeah. if that was Aliens and yeah. Lance Hendrickson, yeah. after he'd been torn in half oh, by the alien. 3D special
1: that effects. That would have been 3D special How effects. How good would that would have been? Wow. Except yeah.
0: you were just, wow.
1: Yeah. As I've always had a soft spot for, like, Lance Henriksen. Like, apart from the fact, you know, I mean, he's so great in all of his films.
0: Apart from the fact that you once covered his face in someone else's jizz.
1: Yeah, in my mind, there's always that moment where I'm just like.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you ever meet him at Comic-Con? Just get a get a <laughs> tissue. <laughs>
1: just throw some yogurt at him.
0: Ah!
1: Oh, my God, it's kind of Silence
0: like of a, the Lambs. It's
1: kind of like a mandatory way with Lance Henriksen.
0: Hmm. Oh. We will always be together. <laughs>
1: Together in electric jeans. Ah. So, I know this is for some, this might be an obscure film to like make out with someone, but for me, it's perfect. And I'd never heard of it. I, I, can, I still can't believe that. Uh, released in 1987, this cult classic is part vampire horror, part western showdown. The solo directoral debut of Catherine Bigelow who would go on to direct other cult classic Point Break with Patrick Swayze and Keanu Reeves. Ripper film. And win a Best Director Oscar for 2010 for The Hurt Locker with Jeremy Renner.
0: And she also made Zero Dark Thirty, probably the most Mm. underrated film of The War on Terror.
1: Mm. Bigelow also co-wrote the script along with Eric Reed, who wrote another 80s cult classic, The Hitcher. With icon Rutger Hauer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Bigelow and Red were introduced to each other by a mutual friend who thought the two shared the same writing style and would work well together. The two of them created two scripts together, Undertow and Near Dark. Undertow was the first script finished... It was about a man who gets stranded at a deserted cabin with a crazed mountain man and his super young and super hot wife.
0: I've been in a share house like that.
1: (laughs) Which it was agreed Red would direct and Near Dark, a Western vampire which Bigelow would direct. However, it would take another 10 years before Undertow would get made as a TV movie in 1996 – Starring Lou Diamond Phillips. (laughs) With an IMDb rating of 5.3, you probably haven't seen it, or at least you don't want to remember seeing it. Oh,
0: man.
1: Bigelow had originally wanted to pen a Western, but realising they were far from likely to get funding, they replaced the cowboys with vampires, bikers, and a general assortment of trailer trash. (laughs) What they weren't expecting was to find a backer for Near Dark in four days. No shit. They sent it to FM Entertainment on Thursday and on Sunday they got a phone call. The company loved it. But this was a vampire movie unlike any other scene before vampires had usually been counts or countesses, lords, ladies, educated misunderstood loners looking for that special little romantic candlelit little sucky suck
0: <laughs>
1: these vampires these vampires however were a new breed they were dirt poor uneducated unclean hillbilly trailer trash they had been alive for hundreds of years and all of those years were spent mostly at the bottom.
0: Now you got to think about how many different modern vampire tropes this has mm. seeded potentially.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: With like True Blood, mm-hmm. like this. Oh yeah. From what I saw on the internet, True Blood owes a fucking lot to this. Oh
1: yeah. Oh a, yeah.
0: A massive amount. The Lost Boys. Mm-hmm. Now they. they can, we, you're going to be talking we'll about. We'll
1: get this. into the Lost Boys.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This uh, to me. Okay, I'll save it for when we start to talk about that. But I've got a real thing about similar films that come out at the Mm -hmm. same time. Catherine Bigelow said,
1: quote, it was a deliberate choice. We thought since we were reinventing vampires in a way, it would be a disservice to categorise them. And what are they really? Modern day pirates or cowboys? Nocturnal creatures? They're people you pass on the street when you walk through dark alleys. The showdown, the shootout, the Midwest setting. We turn them into modern gunslingers travelling these deserted highways. And it's one of those things, like, because everyone thinks, oh, I'm going to be a vampire. And sh- you think, oh, I'm going to be super rich. I don't know why. <laughs> you're yeah. Do you know what I mean? My life is going to be, it's all going to be like fast cars <laughs> and like, you know, jet planes. Yeah. Yeah, no, if you start as trailer trash, you don't suddenly become rich.
0: Yeah. If you're immortal, that doesn't mean you're going to be any better at investment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: exactly. It doesn't make you the Wolf of Wall Street. No, it just makes you a bit bitey.
0: <laughs> and you're going to be around for a long time, so you know if you don't age, it's going to start raising yeah. questions. So you essentially need to live like a rat. Yeah, yeah,
1: basically, go completely under the uh, completely under the radar. Yeah. Now. And the other thing as well, so, you know, if you're rich and, you you know, you have that money, you know how to, like, you know, secret bank accounts in the Cayman and how to sort of, like, shift your money from one fake account to another. Yeah. How do you do that in the modern age if you don't know?
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah. Who who wants to be – who wants to meet the fucking vampire that's into cryptocurrency?
1: Yeah. Oh. Oh, come
0: to suck coin. (laughs) Oh, fuck off, dickhead. (laughs) Blockchain is made of silver, burns my skin. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, nobody wants to hang out with that guy. <laughs> no fucking way.
0: <laughs> Although we can't eat a whole bunch of cunts on 4chan. <laughs> we just want to talk about fucking Snoop Dogg coin. <laughs>
1: oh, so bad. Mm. Uh, now, shooting started on the 17th of November 1986 with an all-in budget of $5 million. But one of the reason it looks like a $20, mil- $20 million film... Could be the tremendous work. I got that sentence so
0: wrong. You did. That was very backwards.
1: (laughs) One of the reasons it looks like a $20 million film.
0: (laughs) So if you're a vampire, you're fucked.
1: (laughs) The reason it looks posh could be the tremendous work from the director of photography, Adam Greenberg, who you may know from small films such as The Terminator. Oh, fuck. Terminator 2
0: and Ghost. That would explain, because I was noticing a lot of similarities in things with Terminator 2. Mm. So, ah, we can talk about that some more in a second as well.
1: The lead male interest is played by Adrian Pasta, who is probably better known for being in the TV show Heroes as Nathan Petrelli. Right. It is not the most exciting cast choice, but you may look at him differently when you look at who he beat out for Caleb's role in Near Dark, namely D.B. Sweetie, huge in that time, yeah, and another actor. I don't know if you've heard of him. I don't know. It's uh, a Mr. Johnny Depp.
0: Are you fucking serious? Uh Uh-huh. He beat Johnny Depp for that role?
1: He beat Johnny Depp for this role. Fuck. So when you go back and you do watch this movie- Picture it with Johnny
0: Depp. So 1986, what was Depp doing? He'd just done what, Nightmare on Elm Street in like 83, 84. Mm. He was still, what, what's eating Gilbert Grape? That was in the 90s,
1: wasn't it? <laughs> he wasn't. He, well, he wasn't acting on Near Dark, I can tell Fucking you that.
0: man, imagine they put him in that.
1: You know what? I think that would be one of the really good things. I reckon like like Adrian Pazar is just sitting around. Just He spends his whole life going. Do you remember that moment that I beat Johnny Depp for that role? <laughs> Do you remember that?
0: Yeah. Do you remember? That? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I am him here to see what he was doing. Johnny
1: in Depp, see he, what he was doing what in 1986. Yeah, just probably, unemployed. Well, probably
0: going for motorbike rides with his dead mate. <laughs> <laughs> him and River Phoenix got up to some trouble, didn't they?
1: Oh, what was that big trouble, little? Oh, my own private Idaho.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When yeah, was yeah, that? Yeah. Oh, he's fucking hell. He's been in some movies. Okay, so 1986, he was in Slow Burn mm-hmm. and then Platoon. So he still re- he still really didn't break through until Cry yeah. Baby. Yeah, he which was 1990.
1: Yeah, so complete like little fluffy face, yeah. bum fluff dude. Now the film begins with a poor looking country girl licking a 30 cent ice cream cone in a new poor looking country town. A young man, Caleb, convinces the attractive young girl to go for a drive in his pickup. He takes her to a remote horse corral and attempts to impress her with his rope tricks.
0: Hey, was he using his rope or a rope?
1: <laughs> May is unimpressed and asked to be taken back to her trailer. So, and from here I have no sympathy for the guy... Whatsoever, because he takes the keys out of the car's ignition and gets all, hey, if you want me to drive for me, then you have to make out with me, and refuses to relent no matter how much May pleads with him. Okay. So, you know, yeah, suck it. May begins to make out with Caleb. And then just bites his ass, <laughs> figuratively, not literally. Yeah. <laughs> um, although that would have been totally appropriate on his date, rapey ass. Yeah. And May runs away, feeling the worse for wear. Caleb starts to stumble his way back to his ranch, where he lives with his father, the town veterinarian, and Caleb's much younger sister. As Caleb starts to stumble his way across the dirt fields, his body starts to smoke and then catches fire. I mean, how many times does your mum have to tell you to slip, slop, slap?
0: Absolutely. Or wear a condom. Is he just having a pee and yow? (laughs) Yeah.
1: Ah, the burning. (laughs) I'm a
0: vampire now. (laughs)
1: Uh, No, that's an STD, sir. Ah. Then an RV shows up and drags him kicking and screaming inside to what could be an RV driven straight off the alien set. There Caleb gets a very rude awakening to the rest of May's family. The man in charge of the crew is the one and only Lance Henriksen (laughs) as Jesse. His mysterious femme fatale Diamondback as played by Jeanette Goldstein. Hey. As, of course, Vasquez from Aliens. Um, Jesse, of course, Bishop. And the irreplaceable Bill Paxton, Private Hudson, as the thoroughly psycho Severin. And, of course, this is the 80s. You can't have a horror movie without a creepy-looking kid hanging around.
0: And a very well-cast creepy kid, too.
1: Enter Homer as played by Joshua John Miller, a 50-year-old pervert stuck in a small child's body and...
0: (laughs) So everyone in Australian politics.
1: Oh, let's be honest. That is the real horror of this freak show. (laughs) Like, oh. Severin goes to kill Caleb like a wounded animal, but Mae throws a spanner in the works by letting everyone know she bit him and she's turned him, as she literally throws her body on top of his to save him. He's actually one of them now.
0: Hooray! And don't shit where you eat. (laughs) Welcome to the family. (laughs)
1: But the family almost looked completely different. Originally, the, the role of the leader, Jesse, was offered to another Aliens cast member, Michael Bean.
0: Fucking hell.
1: Corporal Hicks. Wow. Michael Bean, however, turned down the role, citing problems with the script, saying he felt it was too confusing. Michael instead took on the lead role in Rampage, a legal thriller. However, the company making that picture would go bankrupt after the film was completed. The film sat on shelves and would not see daylight until 1992 to no success. The, The 1992 version was also different to the original scripted version due to editing by the director, William Friedkin, who had changed the ending. Of the film, because in those five years, his feelings towards the death penalty had changed.
0: Okay. <laughs> that,
1: that's a huge thing to change your opinion on. That really is. Uh huh.
0: Okay. My, my opinion of the death penalty changed after I saw what William Friedkin did to the Exorcist trilogy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, feck Yeah, maybe that's why you changed it back. Oh. Yeah. So instead, the role of Jesse went to Lance Henriksen. One more of the aliens alumni makes an appearance. None other than James Cameron himself. Really appears in the film. He doesn't speak, but look for him. He is the one who flips Bill Paxton the finger. <laughs> That's your little Easter egg hunt, everybody
0: <laughs> Look Well, if you link. can find the movie, there's the first Easter egg hunt
1: <laughs> And in a blink, and you'll miss it moment Caleb stumbles down the street past a movie theatre The movie Aliens, blasted all over the marquee Brilliant Caleb gets told he has one week to prove himself Or he's out on his ass in the sunlight we then see the pack peel off and we get to watch the predators in action and how they hunt their prey in the night. Homer, creepy little fucking kid, pretends to have fallen from his bicycle and eats the person who comes to give him aid. What an asshole.
0: That's fucked up. That's a dick move, dude. But I reckon they should. That's like releasing a sterile fruit fly into a colony of fruit flies to get rid of them. Do that to some pedos. <laughs>
1: Ow! A couple
0: of child vampires waiting for him.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm so down with that.
0: Yeah, Catholic Church disappears overnight.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, Where did they all go? <laughs> oh. oh, because like the end of like a shitty M Night Shyamalan film. <laughs> oh, that's just science.
0: We can't explain it. There's <laughs> just priest vestments on the ground <laughs> and a lot of blood and a very fat child. Just like. <laughs> Ooh, gives you meaning to the
1: term blood of Christ. Um, it
0: certainly does.
1: Severin manages to clean himself up and pretends to be an innocent young hitchhiking harmless farmhand out for a fun night of dancing so he can secure a ride from two friendly young ladies who will never be seen again. No, that's Bill Paxton's? That's camp. Bill Paxton, yeah. Yeah. Jesse and Diamondback, so Lance Hamrickson, Vasquez, mm-hmm. um, drive their stolen family wagon along the hi- highway picking up hitchhikers, who are, as it turns out, thieving, raping scumbags who think they have what it takes to scare Jesse and Diamondback, who instead promptly turn the tables and, frankly, do society a huge favour by consuming both the scumbags. Excellent. Now, if you just went out and ate serial killers and rapists, then honestly, people, or in this instant, Caleb, I think would find it much easier to come on board.
0: Yeah. I mean, Chopper Reed built a career on that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, go for the scumbags. Everyone's on your side. Yeah. Um, But instead, May decides to find the nicest, sweetest, friendliest truck driver in the history of mankind. Oh, he happily offers the young lovers a lift. He talks, he jokes, he laughs, he asks about their hopes and dreams. Oh. Caleb can't kill him, and who could? May has to kill and support Caleb by letting him drain her blood through her wrist. Annoyed, the rest, the crew head to a local dive bar to start a fight. Ah. The most interesting fact about this bar fight. Is the man who gets his ass kicked first of all, first off the bat, is the same actor who will later be the first one in the bar to get their ass kicked in Terminator 2?
0: Robert Winley.
1: Yes, when Arnie comes in naked and asks for his boots, his clothes, and your motorcycle, and the other gentleman puts his cigar out on Arnie's chest. Yeah, that that
0: guy. guy. Yeah. Good character actor face.
1: Oh, my Lord. <laughs> but to be honest, the dude really needs to stop drinking in bars. He
0: don't, Man, they could make a whole movie about what happened to this poor bastard.
1: Oh, my God. Seriously.
0: He went to one small town dive bar, gets knocked across the room. <laughs> it's like, fuck this. I'm going to go drink with other bikers so I feel safe. No. <laughs> What's a biker
1: got to do to be safe in this day and age? Seriously.
0: Yeah. That's just one of the crossovers between this and Terminator 2. Mm. Because I noticed... Number one, you've got yep. very, very similar lighting in the way certain things are done, mm-hmm. which was the cinematography stuff we picked up on. Robert Winley, so he's one of many, mm-hmm. one of many people who just basically reappears, yeah, or at least you know. The way that vehicles are a character, the truck yeah, yeah, yeah. that you see in a later scene, even the station wagon that the vampires use is the same kind of station wagon yeah. as the one they use in Terminator 2.
1: It might even be the same station wagon. It's pretty,
0: well, the other one, well, one of them meets a fate, but without doing any oh, spoilers. But, yeah. but, I mean, just the way that they're using the same characters yeah. across films. I mean...
1: Yeah, it's really... Well, it's kind of, it's like, it's you know, you sort of you go like, oh, that that sort of really works and there's a the nostalgia. Maybe I'm going to carry this across. Yeah,
0: because, you know, I mean, if you're going to have a family of desperate, homicidal, you know, gutter dwelling vampires who've been around for hundreds of years making a getaway, you're not going to think of them doing it in a 1980s Chevy <laughs> Malibu station wagon.
1: <laughs> you're really not.
0: No, and that's what makes it so good. Yeah. Uh, and Cameron's just like, might just fucking pinch that. <laughs> Uh, Catherine Bigelow, female director. No one's going to notice. <laughs> ooh,
1: James Cameron does not steal things, all right? He improves. He improves them.
0: All art is in some way borrowed. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm not suggesting that he, he is a misogynist who took advantage of Catherine Bigelow's status in the industry. Bet not be. Don't stare at me like that. I'm not. I'm. Sh- they're mates. <laughs>
1: ooh. Ooh, uh, ooh, okay. Again, it comes time for Caleb to kill. So, again, they find him the youngest, sweetest-looking person they can find in the bar. Yeah. Caleb, might come as a shock, lets the guy go. Ah. The best bit about this is as the guy is running away for his life, he runs past a giant billboard that says, because clean hay pays. (laughs) Who cares, you think? But if you look at the bottom right-hand corner of the billboard – you could see black sprayed painted graffiti that reads Bill and Louise. Bill Paxton, ever the romantic, and done in tribute to his new wife Louise. They hadn't been married very long before the movie that this was made, so that was done as a little inside Heart to his wife, and yes, that is the same Louise that Hudson has written on his aliens' chest plate, <laughs> who he met p- uh, just prior to the filming of Aliens.
0: I'm guessing if you're spotting all these Easter eggs, you were pretty pretty distracted during this whole hand job back in Broken Hill. <laughs> <laughs> just got to get to work. It's like I'm plugging a sink.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, you got to do your time in the salt mines. <laughs> Churning butter. We're women, okay? We can multitask. Right? <laughs> can, oh, look at that Easter egg. Yeah. I can, I can sow a field and plant crops simultaneously. <laughs> oh. Now, they pretty much decide to kill Caleb, but right after they all have a nap, you know, it's it's tiring killing an entire bar full of people. Yeah. But what do you know? The police show up, guns drawn. Admittedly, Severin's face had got um, damaged. They might have, the police might have thought there was a minority in there. So they show up, guns drawn. Yeah. As they do in America. Yeah. yeah. Caleb escapes. Yay, free at last. <laughs> so then he comes back with a van and saves all the vampires from a certain death.
0: Oh, good on him.
1: Um, Caleb, dude, seriously pick a side. Yeah. Either you're in or you're out.
0: Well, his dad's a vet. He's got a bit of that caring. Yeah. <laughs> Caring spirit to him. Every vet, I vet. no, I don't trust vets at all. No, I couldn't be fucked becoming a doctor. No,
1: not that. Like you think about it, vets. Okay. Yeah. They're the only doctor who eats their patients.
0: How many vets eat dogs or horses? Come on.
1: If you're not, if your vet isn't vegan, they're eating their patients. But what, yeah. They're eating their patients. Just because, okay, just because a doctor, like, is a gynecologist, you wouldn't say, oh, it's okay for him to, like, eat men. They're still patients.
0: No, they to he- eat pussy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, don't trust vets. They eat their patients. Okay. There's our next bumper sticker. Don't trust vets. They eat their patients. <laughs> oh. Now, Caleb saves the day by putting a blanket over his head. And running (laughs) through their
0: darkened van. Duck and cover.
1: (laughs) But almost immediately, he begins to smoke and then catches fire.
0: They told us that in school too. You'll catch fire if you smoke, kids. (laughs) It'll (laughs) shrink your testicles and you'll never get a job. And they were right. Oh,
1: my. <laughs> Do you, you tell these stories about your school? Did your school literally, was it just your whole day? You never actually learnt maths, English, literature. It was just them warning you about the sins of everything.
0: Well, yeah, two of my, two people that taught me are currently in prison. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Okay. Remember, like, it wasn't you? a great
1: school. <laughs> someone <laughs> needed to teach them. When I, I
0: went to school with someone who's serving an indefinite sentence for organising a car bombing. Oh. Yeah, interesting yeah. alumni. Yeah.
1: You go. Did you? Ever, did he ever give you any lessons on that? He was a good
0: mate. <laughs> he had the best weed. No, oh, yeah. I've heard that about car bombers. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, <laughs> now there were several scenes in which various cast members would be burnt by the daylight. Now this was 1986, and practical effects were king. Gordon Smith, the film's special effects makeup artist, created a prosthetic makeup system that concealed concealed tubes on the actor's faces and these tubes also ran hidden inside the clothing. They were all connected to a device hidden on the actor that smoked tobacco under pressure and released it through strategically placed holes in the makeup and clothing. Each actor controlled the valve which they could use to shut down the machine if they got too nauseous or sick from the fumes this includes the 10-year-old child
0: are you telling me that that smoking effect was practical
1: yes that's fucking incredible 1986 none of this cgi like fake looking bullshit this is because i like, oh it looks like it's on fire it's on fire it looks like it's smoking because they've got like two thousand cigarettes shoved up their asshole. Well, it
0: was nineteen eighty-seven. Part of that child's payment was probably in, in cigarettes.
1: cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Can you imagine the sponsorship deal from like only a Marlboro man? Oh my lord!
0: But Macaulay I- Culkin smokes Winfield. <laughs>
1: I just love the fact that you've got, like, your emergency valve, so in case when the 10-year-old takes in too much, like, tobacco smoke, <laughs> they can just, whoa, wind <laughs> it back down. Like,
0: a good friend of mine uh, who's who's been mildly successful in TV here in Australia, mm. he was on a morning – you know you know how breakfast TV shows are always just that bullshit, Ugh. straight transposition of wacky breakfast radio, yeah. but you've got a bimbo and a bozo and, yeah. hey, hilarity ensues. He was the guy who had to do some of their practical joke prank. Things that they do. Oh god. And one of them was that we're gonna set the record for the world's largest container of cola with mentos thrown in. So you know how it creates like oh, a, god, yeah. a volcano kind of deal? Oh god. He is sitting in a fucking pool of cola. Uh-huh. Like a full-size spa. Of Uh cola. And they dumped in all these like fucking thousands of Mentos. Oh, God. And he's in there with two bikini-clad chicks. He's the nicest guy in the world. Like, There's nothing untoward about what's going on. Uh But, of course, the chemical reaction that happens Uh creates carbon dioxide. Oh, God. And he's sitting in this thing, and he reckons he was about to lose consciousness. They had to cut the cameras. Oh, my God. Because these guys just got fucking choked. On live TV with carbon dioxide. It was like it just completely filled all the atmosphere around them and they were going to (laughs) die. They had to get pulled out of the pool. Oh, my
1: God. How is that not made into a
0: movie?
1: Oh. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. The things you do for fame.
0: Yeah, the things you do for morning television.
1: Yeah. Everyone lived? How were the bikini models?
0: No, they all lived, but they had to cut the cameras and pull them out. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Oh, wow. because TV producers don't do fucking high school science.
1: <laughs> this is what happens.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, So um, <laughs> he gets a little bit smoky, but he saves them. So Caleb's crew is back in with the crew. Caleb asks Jesse just how old he really is, to which Jesse replies, "I fault for the South," <laughs> which at the time would have made him over 150 years old. Excellent plan. Just relaxed bonding with the serial killers. Yeah. What could go wrong? I must also mention uh, the moment where uh, Jesse and Severin take a moment to reminisce on the moment that they caused the great for fire of Chicago. It really is about keeping those special times really close to one's heart, isn't it? <laughs> Remembering the joy, the laughs, the special moments that make life worth living and destroy a city. <laughs> Now, in case you were wondering where Caleb's family and what they had been doing after he caught fire and was pretty much abducted right in front of them. Yeah. Well, Caleb's dad has pretty much aimlessly just been driving around America with Caleb's 10-year-old sister on the off chance that they would just stumble across them by sheer accident, it seems.
0: That seems like a scientific way to go about it.
1: mm so at about five in the morning,
0: what's he going to do when he finds his charred son? Oh, I'll just put you down like an injured calf. <laughs> I
1: like, oh,
0: "What can we do?" Yeah, I'm not going to set that leg. That's broken.
1: Oh well, if we know anything by vets, yeah, no, he will eat. It. <laughs> He's already cooked. Yay! <laughs> charred to perfection, all still pink on the inside. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh. So at about five in the morning, Homer, creepy vampire child, goes out. To the coke machine at the hotel where they're hiding out, um, hitting away at the back. Now, Caleb's abduction, however, has not motivated his father to not let his remaining child wander around hotel car parks unattended at five in the morning (laughs) in case they get abducted. Homer stumbles across Caleb's sister quite by accident and abducts her. Oh, of course. I mean, ha, abduct one of my children, shame on you. <laughs> abduct two of my children, shame on me. Yeah. Now, what happens next? You'll just have to watch the film to find
0: out.
1: Uh, da, 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 da.
0: Now I'm going to have to order some obscure copy from Norway. Or oh, something yeah. Like that.
1: I want to leave a little bit of mystery in there for you. Mm. Now, Near Dark may not have had the most watertight of plots... But what it did have was the full commitment of its actors. Yeah. Most notably of which was Lance Henriksen, <clears throat> who stopped eating so that his chest bones would be visible to complete the physical look he envisioned for the character.
0: Oh, Jesus.
1: And I don't know if you noticed that, but the, the, you will see it in scenes where he's got his chest open. It really is his ribs. Like, he looks like he has just sort of come, like he'd been stranded on a desert island for like six months. Yeah, like wow. He really needs a sandwich. <laughs> he also drove across the country to the film to help him get into character. Whilst doing this, Henriksen would pick up hitchhikers along the highway and by his own accounts, freak them out by speaking and acting just like his character, Jesse.
0: Fucking hell.
1: Can you imagine someone sitting around going, oh my God, Lance Henriksen once gave me a lift. He is a creepy (laughs)
0: motherfucker. (laughs) Well, same I once got in a taxi with Robert De Niro.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but Henrikson and Paxton almost took this method acting too far.
0: Everyone takes method acting too far.
1: One day during filming, the two went joyriding off the set still in their on-set costumes when they were pulled over by a police officer. Lance Henrickson, who was driving, decided to react and speak in full character as he thought Jesse would respond. Paxton <laughs> Backed him up. (laughs) This performance alarmed the police officer enough for the police officer to reach for his firearm. Jesus
0: Christ.
1: Luckily, no one was shot or drained for blood or received a ticket. So I guess everyone walked away a winner that day.
0: Now, that's white privilege.
1: can you imagine? Can you imagine if Wesley Snipes pulled that
0: shit? (laughs) Denzel Washington. He's just like, I'm going to be Alonzo for a day. Oh, my (laughs) God. Oh,
1: my God. Yeah, Blade dead in Shootout. Oh, my police. Oh, no. Now, Jeanette Goldstein, however, really took one for the team when she agreed to have one of the worst, most intense bad peroxide blonde hair jobs, with one of the worst cases of root regrowth to help reflect that the characters were poor and constantly on the move ne- with no chance for the finer things in life. Um, you see, like, she would have had to have chopped all her hair off after that thing. Like, oh, really? it's such... It's such a bad, intense blonde. Oh, yeah.
0: She's a fucking great actor. Oh, she's
1: so underrated. Yeah. I love her so much. Mm. Um, we... Because I think... With Aliens, everyone always talks about Ripley, and rightly so. Yeah. Ripley is... Iconic. Good, absolutely iconic. I think nowhere near enough credit is given to Jeanette Goldstein and her portrayal of Vasquez. I also think that is one of like the most iconic cinema performances. Absolutely. You know? Um, we'll, we'll get into that in another episode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, every member of the vampire cast did do some intense method acting by sleeping in vans only going out at night and almost living in their costumes. And, of course, in that Western heat.
0: Woo! Fish heads, fish Fish heads. heads.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But this immersion in the role certainly had its payoffs, with some of the movie's most memorable one-liners, such as finger-lickin' good.
0: (laughs) Which we have for you. Do you want me to play it? Oh, yeah. So this is this is in the bar scene where,
1: as Bill Paxton has finished draining a barbarian at the bar, ad libbed in the moment.
0: It's finger licking good. Hey Jess, I got smell like a dead cat.
1: <laughs> I love it. Now, in the late 80s, there was a real explosion of vampire films, thanks in part to the huge success of Fright Night in 1985.
0: Absolute classic. And the Amiga video game was amazing.
1: Oh, oh I, haven't, I haven't played it. Um, the Lost Boys, which grossed over $32 million at the box office, premiered in 1987, just two months oh. before Near Dark. Near Dark was released on the 2nd of October across 262 theatres, grossing only 635,789 US dollars on its opening weekend, and would eventually only see 3.4 million at the box office, failing to even make back its budget. The Lost Boys, with its $8.5 million budget. Completely destroyed Near Dark at the box office. Yeah. The Globe reviewer Jay Scott said that, quote, Bill Paxton as the undead sex symbol is exceptional, but not exceptional enough to put across the cop out that concludes the film. Aww. The Lost Boys was laced with trendy, immaculately groomed teenage heartthrobs who all had hopes and dreams for the future. Near Dark was fueled by filthy, dirt, poor, shit kickers and the all-round shittiness of life, both for the immortal and the mortal alike. Yeah. In October of 2006, a remake of the film was announced but then was swiftly put on hold when it became apparent that the film would be released in cinemas at roughly the same time as another little vampire film named Twilight.
0: Motherfuckers. (laughs) Those sparkly fucks,
1: sparkly little fucks.
0: Jesus Christ! Oh
1: my God! But for me, like the uh, you can't you can't remake Near Dark because it is all about Lance Henriksen. It's all about Bill Paxson. Like
0: it's like remaking the thing from what I've seen.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, you know, like you know the you know the people who are starting out at the beginning of their career, all iconic. This is this is why it's so special. You yeah. know, these are, it's 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 a cluster of things coming right. It's the opposite of a clusterfuck. <laughs> it yeah. is a cluster perfection.
0: And you're up against the Lost Boys, which has got Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah, one of the Corys. Mm. You know, they're both the Corys. Both the Corys. It's got Corey Hayman, Corey Feldman. Oh, there you go. See, I saw it. I saw it a long time ago. Yeah. And I was just like, ah, eh, this is a little bit me, little, yeah. little bit, little bit ho hum. A lot of, a lot of my contemporaries loved it. Um, but you know, it, it's designed to be posters on the wall, yes, for, for for girls kind of thing. It's it's a date night, fright night kind of film.
1: Absolutely. And whereas Near Dark is so nihilistic, yeah, and just depressing about the futility. Another piece of interesting trivia. Yeah,
0: member- you really did not pay attention in this hand job, did you? At one point, you've just got his foot. <laughs> you just didn't even notice.
1: There is a member of the same family. In both The Lost Boys and in Near Dark. Really? Uh, Near Dark's Homer, creepy little child. Yeah. um, His stepbrother is in The Lost Boys as um, Michael,
0: Jason Patrick. It's
1: his his stepbrother.
0: Jason Patrick? Yeah. Is he related to Robert Patrick? No. Okay. (laughs)
1: <laughs> you are really trying to tie it all yeah, in together. Yeah, yeah, I really am. Yeah, yeah. this is oh. such a
0: weird thing, though, isn't it? Like when two films that are basically the same, but yeah. from very different poles. Yes, like yeah, you compare that to The Matrix. Yeah. and Dark City. Yeah, I love The Matrix. Yeah, I think it, I think it was a really good film. But you compare it to Dark City, which came out a year prior. So similar mm. in terms of its look, its feel, its the aesthetic. Yeah, it's not as deep down the fucking the wank hole of philosophy <laughs> as the matrix. Yeah. You know, with all the red pills and all and that. Blue sort pills, of shit. Yeah. 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 Fuck yeah. I love how that's evolved over the years. <laughs> There's people that are against woke culture. Oh, red pill. It's like you realize the Wachowski's a fucking trans, you idiots.
1: <laughs> yeah, I do I know. Yeah. Oh.
0: Yeah, fuck. But yeah, Dark City, amazing film. Completely overlooked. Yeah. And it's an Australian film made by Alex Price. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the fucking Matrix was made here too. Yeah,
1: it's just it's just it all comes with the right. Basically, it's that what goes best on the lunchboxes. Yeah, because to be honest, there's like near dark is not something that you can go across morning TV and promote. So it's like, hey, so do you want to talk about the nihilistic
0: nature of humanity? <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I want to see Kiefer Sutherland with a mullet and a nice earring.
1: Exactly. You can't compete with that. No, you really Oh, my can't. God, that guy playing the saxophone. <laughs> That's what near dark missed. As much as I love near dark. <laughs> Now, Lance Henriksen has actually gone on record saying that Near Dark is his personal favourite of all of his films. There you go. And it has since gone on to develop a cult following with vampire and horror fans alike. Yeah. But this was not the last time the team would come together. Because... Little Mister Bill Paxton was also in a band called Martini Ranch, <laughs> a which we you know what I'm going to be honest there is we will come in our future to a whole Bill Paxton episode and we'll and we'll we'll narrow down on this a little bit more yeah but he was in a new wave American band, uh, Martini Ranch, Paxton providing part vocals and samples. Now between 1986 and 1988, the band released two experiences Two extended play EPs. <laughs> Quote: This is this is, sound, this is this is the actual name of the song. How can the laboring man find time for self-culture? <laughs> and their other EP, Reach, which was followed by a ten-track album named Holy Cow. <laughs> now, in 1988, aliens director James Cameron filmed the biker slash western film clip for the song Reach. The song's film clip featured Bill Paxton and featured cameos from Near De- uh, near Dark director Catherine Bigelow. Wow, okay. As well as its stars Adrian Pasta, Lance Henriksen and Jeanette Goldstein. As well as a couple of other Aliens cast members, Paul Reiser. Yeah, that's right, yep of course, plays Burke in Aliens and Mark Ralston, who plays Drake in Aliens.
0: Amazing cameo poking his head out the side as a backup dancer. (laughs)
1: Like
0: Boba Fett in that horrible added scene in (laughs) Star Wars.
1: Just like, oh, I'm out of here. And, oh, my God, actually, on a side note, for their other song, um, uh, How Can the Laboring Man Find Time for Self-Culture, actually has a cameo by Michael Bean. God. Um, but, yeah, so James Cameron makes this film clip. Again, we'll put it up on the film clip. It's <laughs> if, if you're an Aliens fan, it's really quite interesting from that perspective. Yeah. Um, now, in 1989, Catherine Bigelow and James Cameron would marry.
0: They got married?
1: They got married.
0: Why did I think he married Linda Hamilton?
1: Oh, well, he did. Oh, okay. Because him and Catherine got divorced in 1991. Oh. James Cameron's had five wives.
0: Oh, okay. That's, well, that's very, very good.
1: Galen Ann um, Catherine Bigelow, uh, Linda Hamilton, Susie Amos. Who am I forgetting?
0: Oh, God, there's only a few women left.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so they got divorced in 1991. Now, in 2010, both Bigelow and Cameron would compete for the Oscar for Best Director.
0: Okay, yep.
1: Cameron for Avatar and Bigelow for The Hurt Locker. Oh. Bigelow would win both Best Director and Best Picture. I mean, winning an Oscar is great and all, but defeating your ex-husband to do it, <laughs> I cannot imagine that level of sweetness. Yeah,
0: a worthy victory too because fucking Space Pocahontas.
1: Oh, do you fucking...
0: It's not that great is brilliant. It's a great film. It but is it's, a
1: great film.
0: Yeah, they fuck their own horses. It's not... They do not fuck their own horses. They fuck their horses. They do not
1: fuck their horses. They you ha- have a weird thing that we need to talk about. They
0: hair fuck their horses.
1: But on a side note... Okay,
0: he hair fucks a dragon too.
1: It's... If you want to get technical, the Hurt Locker did make about $50 million and Avatar did go on to make $2.8 billion. So, but, you
0: know. Oh, fuck it. Yeah, because financial success is a measure of art, isn't it?
1: I'm not. I'm just saying. It's pretty <laughs> fucking sweet, though. Oh, no, he,
0: he makes money. I'll give him that.
1: It's like... Um, After Mia Farrow and Frank Sinatra separated and then they both had films that came out at the same time, Mia Farrow was in Rosemary's Baby and I can't remember what Frank Sinatra was in, but Rosemary's Baby actually just slaughtered Frank's film. Yeah. So Mia actually took out full-priced ads (laughs) um, basically just saying, oh, look, here's Rosemary's Baby shitting all over. Frank Sinatra's film. No. Nice. Like, she actually just did ads to just, you know, yeah. make sure he was fully aware of the fact that yeah. she was the victor in that.
0: Yeah, get the mafia to promote your film, fucking Frank.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. She, she's like, oh, really? You're going to get the mafia? Fucking Satan. Double down <laughs> on that, bitch. <laughs> and so that brings us to the end of this week's episode of Near Dead at the Box Office.
0: Yeah. Was that the TV in the lounge room or the back room or?
1: Um, oh no, I, it was in the it was in the cabin. Okay. Yeah, like you know the holiday cabin in ah, the lounge room. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, that's not so bad. Yeah. That's yeah. that's why I don't go into any Airbnb.
1: Yeah, stretched out in front of the fire.
0: Oh, there you go. Actually, I don't want to know anything more about your sexual history. You're from Broken Hill. <laughs> It can't have been good. I'm and I'm sure saying, I'll meet can, your brother one day.
1: I, I can multitask, you know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you're doing while you're having sex, but if you're not also looking for, like, Easter eggs in your favourite horror films, what are you even doing?
0: i usually try not to have a heart attack.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: oh, I'm just trying to stay
0: awake. My, <laughs> my favourite thing of the snippets that I've seen of this film. Uh-huh. And I've, I've got to admit this this is the second revelation that came from this film for me mm. was that I've always really enjoyed the work of Bill Paxton, mm-hmm. but I always kind of looked at him as sort of like a, you know, like a like a character actor, mm-hmm. someone who's quirky and who clearly is you know mm-hmm. with his musical endeavors oh, yeah. and his music video directing and that kind of stuff. His character, from what I've seen in near dark, yes. is genuinely terrifying. Yeah. It's it's such a good performance. Oh yeah, I didn't realize he had that kind of range. Oh yeah, and have, menace.
1: Have you seen him like face messed up on the truck? On the truck, yeah. yeah. Like,
0: ha- which is like seriously fucking. What's his name? Uh, I was going to call him Spielberg. <laughs> <laughs> White Spielberg. What's his name? Cameron.
1: <laughs> James Cameron. James
0: Cameron. <laughs>
1: White Spielberg. <laughs> fucking.
0: He's sitting there just taking notes. Uh
1: yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It's just oh my god. I know and it's like you look at these and you're just like, "How I don't understand like why it took, you know, something like you know, we had to wait so many years for, like, you know, Twister and Bill Paxton to have, like, a big commercial lead. Yeah. Like, he had so much. He actually does have a range. The problem was he did his characters so well. Yeah, he did. Even in, like, films where, like, True Lies, where his character is so ridiculous. Yeah. he. You cannot picture anybody else who would have made, like, that character so perfect. Like, he just steals it. He does. Yeah. He does.
0: Yeah, just so good. Now I've got to get hold of a copy of it. So, oh,
1: you you absolutely have to. Whether you get a hand job in the middle of it or not, that's we will leave that up to like the like the viewers' discretion if they want to do that at home.
0: Aim for Lance Hendrickson. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that could be our goal for the week. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I reckon that's a better catchphrase. Remember to aim for Lance Hendrickson. <laughs>
1: If you can chuck one out and get it directly on, like, honestly, this was, it was, we, if we had tried, we couldn't have done it. It was like, even like the two of us kind of stopped. We were impressed so much by
0: it. Oh, that's hideous.
1: Yeah. It was was a bit of a distance as well, too. Well, you you were young. Yeah. I think a lot backed up.
0: (laughs) Being from Broken Hill, I didn't think you'd have that much moisture in your body.
1: He wasn't for Broken Hill. Oh, okay. He's a country boy. I mean, a city boy, I should say.
0: Well, there you go. He's not used to the... uh, He
1: was not used to...
0: (laughs) The aggressive affections of a mining town girl.
1: I'm a country girl. I know how to milk a cow.
0: (laughs) I can get lead from 400 metres underground. Let me prove it to you. (laughs) Ah,
1: ah, ah. Oh, look, there's an Easter egg. (laughs) Bill loves Louise. Ain't that romantic? (laughs) Do you think that's romantic?
0: (laughs) This is like Beverly Hillbillies, except it's not oil coming up from the ground. Ah, Woo!
1: (laughs) There she blows straight <laughs>
0: onto Lance Hendrickson.
1: <laughs> oh my god! You know what? It's a, as I was coming over here today, there was a thing in my feed because I'm in all these like alien fan group sites on yeah. Facebook, and the latest one that's put up is Lance Hendrickson has just had his shot. Wasn't the first shot he's had. <laughs> <Hey>! <laughs> back
0: into the left, <laughs>
1: right in the eye. There you go. Uh, so let us know how you go, listeners, over the week. Yeah. Um, You know, no pictures. No pictures. No pictures. Unless they're to John. It's not harassment if you send them to John. They're harassment if you send them to me.
0: So I've got to be your dick pic valet. Yes. And just choose which ones get through. Park the dick at John. Yeah. Okay. At John Brooks on, uh, (laughs) was it at the John Brooks? I can't remember. You should bloody know
1: your doodad. I don't fucking know my doodad. Oh, I fucking men! Yeah, see, this is why we have to, like, jerk you off and look for the Easter eggs in the movies because you sure as shit ain't doing it.
0: <laughs> oh, men. What am I? I? It fucking doesn't even tell me what my, Twitter, my Instagram handle is. <sighs> oh, yeah, it's at the John Brooks with no H. You made yourself the John Brooks. Because there's, there's a fucking country musician guy with the same name. And at some point I thought I was actually going to go on tour and do comedy. And then fucking coronavirus happened. Oh. And also I'm a little bit sad and narcissistic.
1: Maybe you should pick up a guitar and put out some country tunes. Could do that. Once was a boy from Nantucket. <laughs>
0: <laughs> of all the things to do in that town. Mm. Wailing. mm Oppressing the local um, indigenous population Mm. out of their whaling knowledge, or sucking your own Mm. cock—I think sucking your own cock wins.
1: I don't think for anybody. I don't think that's necessarily a peery thing. Like if you could do it, good on (laughs) you. Why would you have a job if you could do that? I just—I you know—I wouldn't even need a house. Just live in the park, do that all day.
0: Yeah, become a circus attraction. You know, we we've just gone off the track and into the weeds. (laughs) We'll be back next week. Liz will reveal some other horrific story about How fucking. Is
1: that not horrific? That's like, I mean, horrific for Lance Henriksen, maybe. Absolutely,
0: yeah. Tell him that at fucking Comic-Con. I'm I will. I once gave a fucking city boy a wristy and he jizzed on your face. From across the room. From across the across room.
1: Across the room, dude. Like yeah. right in your eye.
0: Like firing a grappling hook across a canyon.
1: <laughs> you just don't appreciate art.
0: Uh, clearly not. Yeah. And you were dating Jackson Pollock. <laughs> So remember, real mothmen eat the carpet and always aim for Lance Hendrickson. I'm going to press stop. Excellent.